Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rabbit Weasel Podcast, Episode 22, Return of the Living Dead. I'm your host, Jared. I'm here, as always, with my brother, Justin. Justin, how are you? Good, man. Happy to be here, as always. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. And my sister-in-law, Mia. Mia, hi. Hi, Jared. All right. Thanks for coming, guys. You can go now. I've got it from here. (laughs) Um, Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time, so... I got this. Um, no. Anyways, before we jump into it, a little bit of background on this movie. So to really talk about this movie, first you have to start with Night of the Living Dead, 1968, which is basically the first modern zombie movie. Everything we know about zombies comes from that movie. Now, that movie was directed uh, by George Romero. He co-wrote it with John Russo. There's a really long history there with lawsuits and all kinds of stuff, but basically they went their separate ways. George Romero could continue making movies in the series and Russo could continue making movies in the series, but Russo got to keep the phrase living dead. So you'll notice all of Romero's sequels are just of the dead. So this movie was actually the directorial debut of Dan O'Bannon and he previously wrote the screenplay for Alien. So. Yeah, um, he's a pretty, he's a talented guy. Yeah, he's also is he was he also the what other role did he play? Was he also part director as well? Um, I thought I saw Dan O'Bannon was had a couple roles, but man, I can't. Yeah, remember. he's did. Uh, let's see here, Life Force. Uh, I'm blanking out at the moment, but anyways, he's a talented guy especially when you see what he did with his first effort here. Although, <laughs> uh, apparently he was kind of a monster on set. Maybe that's a little oh, yeah. bit of an exaggeration, but a tyrant maybe would be a better word. And he's admitted as such. You know, it was his first uh, his first film, and he really wanted it to be right, and he thought his job as a director was to be in control, you know. So he kind of drove everyone crazy, but he got good results. So maybe it was worth it. Um but anyway, so he was hired to um, direct this movie and change the script. So he intentionally changed it to make it very different from the Romero style. Uh, he made it more humorous, a little bit less. Uh, yeah, he made it less humorous and he changed the zombies too. So these are zombies that, um, let's see here. This is where the whole zombies eat brains thing came from. Everybody knows that now, zombies eat brains, but it started in this movie. Zombies didn't eat brains for a long time. Uh, these zombies are basically indestructible. They, they cannot be stopped by being shot in the head. They're intelligent, they can speak, and they're very fast. So um, some people credit this as the first fast zombie movie. That's not true. Uh, there had really always been fast zombies. Um, I think 1971, I Drink Your Blood. It's a hippie zombie movie that's really funny. But uh, there were fast zombies in there. But before this, they were always the the infected style, which is usually still how it goes, right? Yeah. The infected zombies. Uh, this is the first time, though, where it's actually living dead better fast. So with all that in mind, Mia, what was your fir- was this your first time seeing this movie or had we watched it before? We have actually watched this movie before. Um mm. When I cannot say, no surprise there. Yeah, when I cannot say, but it was many years ago in, I think, in the basement. When I guess, is it considered a basement? Yeah. 
Yes. We're at. And your mom and dad's. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, that's the basement. Probably we watched it. I was a basement dweller for a <laughs> Indeed. I think you both were. Yeah. We both were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yours, then mine. But anyway, Samia, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a interesting, fun movie. Um, reminds me of, well, this movie, uh, it, so... What is it? Uh, Night of the Demon. Yes. Reminds me, yeah, Night of the Demon reminds me of this movie, but I saw this movie first, so the, but um, but they give me a very similar vibe. But it was it was fun. It was a fun movie. Um, I, I like the humor in it. And it also maybe would kind of remind you of Reanimator, our first episode. Yes. Which I don't know why this wasn't our first episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. We want a lot of practice. Yeah, you want us to have yeah. a little bit of practice before we uh, took on the great Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> yeah, I want to do this one right. But so, Justin, do you remember when? I assume you first you saw this movie for the first time with me. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think this was. If I had to guess, this would be my third or fourth viewing. <laughs> um, I remember watching it with Mia. And you, I remember uh, us watching it at least one other time before that on one of our uh, horror movie um, kind of series that we would do. So I'm pretty sure it's the third time, at least the third time and could be the fourth time. Uh, do you remember what you originally thought about the movie or when, when I first showed it to you and how has that changed or is your opinion pretty much the same? What's your thoughts yeah, on the I, movie? I believe that the first time I saw this, I would have been learning that comedy and horror could go together and probably oh, yeah, yeah. would have just <laughs> been confused at what was going on and you trying to explain to me that those things could exist and me being like, isn't that just bad horror? Like, I don't know <laughs> how they go together. Um, so this one is so well done uh, at that uh, intersect um, that... It actually made me see how those things could be funny. Um, but yeah, I um, that's my, my early memory of it is not understanding that horror and comedy could go together. And this being one of the early examples you showed me of, of the way in which that can be done extremely well. Uh, well, you've come a long way. Mm -hmm. um, Lots of practice. Uh, yeah, I think this movie finds a perfect blend. Um, and this is... I mentioned this before when we did Creep Show. This may be my favorite movie. If you ask me what my favorite horror movie is, at least it's between this and Creep Show. I can never really decide. So this is top two <laughs> for me. And I guess I first saw this movie when I was probably 14. I was actually living in the, the attic before I was a basement dweller. I was an attic dweller. Um, you know, we moved around the house depending on how big we got. But uh I was late at night, should have been going to bed. The attic was huge for the record. It makes it seem like you were like stuffed up in the attic while you were small. No, <laughs> no, this wasn't a Harry Potter situation. This is like a... <laughs> yeah. Not a Harry Potter <laughs> No, it was a, a pretty large place, um, an extra room up there. But uh, anyway, so I was up there one night and uh, I was looking through the TV before I before I went to bed and I saw that on the independent film channel at midnight, there was a movie coming on called Return of the Living Dead. Now at this point I was already into horror movies, mostly slashers, you know, Jason and Freddy. So I'm like, hey, that sounds interesting. I'll watch it. 
I t- when that movie came on, I watched it and I was hooked and I instantly fell in love with it. You know, uh, this was the first zombie. It was the first zombie movie I ever saw. And I'm like, how have I never seen a zombie movie before? <laughs> and after that, the genre became my my favorite genre. And yeah, I've loved this movie ever since. I have no idea how many times I've watched it. I, I wrote a paper on it in college. Uh, you, should, you should track it down so we can do a, a reading on the show. <laughs> yeah, I should have done that. But uh, yeah, it was, I can still remember, it was Return of the Living Dead as a parody and contributor to the zombie genre. There we go. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Because that's how I see this movie. You know, it, it's one part parody but it also can added a lot to the genre as we've already discussed. So, all right, guys, are you ready? Get your coffee, water, whatever else you need. <laughs> Let's get into return of the living dead. Now I had to cut this, a lot of this short because I literally could just go on and on and on. I've analyzed this movie to death, but let's get started. First off, we get a disclaimer before the movie starts. Does, do you guys remember what the disclaimer says? Yeah, it was like the people in the story are real. They have real names or like they have real names. This is real places or something like that. Yeah. The events portrayed in this film are all true. The names are real names of real people and real organizations. <laughs> and when I saw, yeah. So before you even see anything, you know, they're letting you know. Come in with a sense of humor here. Uh, we open on the evening of July 3rd. This is a July 4th movie. I always forget. I try and watch it on July 4th, but I usually usually forget. A medical supply warehouse. Did I get that right? Is that what it is? Where Frank Frank is showing around new hire Freddy. Okay, so Frank's kind of an older guy. Freddy is a younger guy. That's, by the way, Freddy is Tom Matthews, who was in Friday the 13th, part six. There's two people in here from Friday the 13th series. Frank seems to take uh, like a morbid joy in showing off some of the grotesque items they have, including human skeletons, split dogs, dogs cut down the middle for veterinary school students, and even a freezer with an actual cadaver in it. We're briefly introduced to Freddy's punk friends and girlfriend who decide to go wait for Freddy to get off work. Okay, let's stop already. First off, one of those punk friends is someone, a lady that we should remember. I certainly remember. Either one of you know who it is? How can you miss Renee Quigley? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, she makes the movie. She's the star. Uh, yes. And, uh, God bless Renee. We did not forget... And she is, she makes herself known by her performance, which is fantastic. Yeah. Those of you who've watched our older episodes, that is Linnea Quigley. We have previously seen her in Night of the Demons, where she did the famous lipstick trick. Um, If you want to know what that is, you can go listen to the episode. Yes. So Linnea Quigley is back. This is a Linnea Quigley role. I think I'm sure I talked about that episode. I've met her before. I love Linnea. She's great. Um, But she was a beautiful lady who was often doing semi-pornographic things <laughs> in her movies uh and we'll get to what she does in this movie because you you won't forget it once you see it but i love i love the punks in this movie um one thing i didn't say in the beginning this is a this is very much a punk rock movie the soundtrack is punk rock all the characters well the young characters are punks right and um i don't know 
these characters always remind you might say they're over the top but they really remind me of my friends as a teenager <laughs> so they're not that over the top to me because i knew people like these characters you know each one there's like a person in my mind like ah uh, i knew that guy but what we've seen already here is what do you guys think about the frank and freddie at the beginning here because to me i'm hooked right away at their kind of back and forth conversation yeah they play off one another really well grumpy old man you know young kid coming in learning the ropes both of them kind of really playing up their roles um frank i mean he he really does the grumpy middle level manager thing really well and the kind of like wink wink nod nod uh persona um so yeah i thought they played off really well um and they have a they have a fun dynamic they uh they spend a lot of time together uh during their time in the movie <laughs> yeah and that is Jane, james karen karen yes I, i'm sorry i forgot that for a second i had to pull it up who most people know him as the guy from poltergeist who moves the graves but not the bodies so james karen yeah he was great you remember poltergeist mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> yeah i just love these two characters i think they they the way they play off each other is great they have a lot of fun in this movie and you know we're less than five minutes in and the way they bounce off each other uh is how the dialogue works in this movie it's all very fast-paced very witty if you're not paying attention you will miss it so um I love the way they talk. I catch new things, actually, even still as I listen to them. Like, there's a funny moment where uh, Freddy growls at the split dog and Frank gets onto him, like, focus, boy, you're working. Uh, <laughs> just little stuff like that. Also, next time you watch this movie, look around in the background. There's so much stuff that's put in the background to see um, that I, I still catch stuff, especially in that warehouse um there's funny little signs they've got put up there's like random pictures of naked women medical diagrams uh did either of you catch the eye test yes yeah you did. Bert is a slave, a slave driver, driver is what it, yeah <laughs> I think it's I didn't write it down but I think it's Bert is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's got you and me here <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see that on your own or did you read yeah. about it no I caught it nice yeah i tend to catch like a lot of like stuff in the background sometimes really with movies like i'm I'm kind of really observant over stuff like that and so i caught Mm -hmm. it i was like hey do you guys see this am i the only one that's seeing pause the movie that's great yeah good job i um whenever you see a seeing eye test you just have to read it right you know just in case someone wrote something funny um this is one of the few times where it actually happens yeah so stuff like that it's everywhere throughout this movie um so they really put that's where Dan O'Bannon's, I guess, perfectionism came in. You could just you could just watch the movie in the background and see stuff all the time. We're only five minutes in. Back into the movie. <laughs> Frank, no, Freddie asks. So Freddie is the young kid, right? Let's um, Tom Matthews. Freddie asks Frank, "What is the weirdest thing he has seen in the warehouse?" And Frank gives us the background of the movie. So in this movie. Night of the Living Dead is a movie that exists, but it was based on a true story. 
that was heavily altered. There was a chemical being developed by the army. It's leaked in a hospital morgue. It causes corpses to move. The government covers everything up. But there was a mistake. What does he call it? A typical army fuck up, I think. So uh, (laughs) there was a mistake. And he, the, the bodies get shipped, get lost, basically. And they end up at the warehouse. This whole thing could have been avoided if they just said, hey, guys, we got these barrels. I uh, don't think they belong here. Can you come get them? But for whatever reason, they decided just be quiet about it, put it in the side, never talk about it. We don't want to be involved in this. So Frank takes Freddy into the basement to see the toxic waste barrels that hold the corpses. Hmm. Hey, this Justin. This a basement and an attic. <laughs> it's gonna, a warehouse. It's also going to make appearances. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, Justin, what does what does Freddie want to know about the barrels? Uh, well, um, he wants to know what's inside of them. Is that what we're looking <laughs> he for. He wants to make sure that they do not. Oh, they do not leak. That they're they do not leak. <laughs> yes, and this podcast is mostly just me asking you guys trivia questions to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> Anyways, so he says, hey, these things don't leak, do they? And Frank goes, leak? Hell no. These were made by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And he, like, pats the the tank, which, of course, causes it to immediately decompress and spray them with gas. And we're finally to the opening credits. Um, and I like this. In this movie, the, the so it's 245 trioxin, trioxin. It's the chemical and it's actually kind of its own character throughout the movie. We kind of follow it around. And here we follow it through the building into the freezer with the cadaver, which starts to jump around. Next, we go off into a completely different direction. We go to, what, what was that, a colonel? A yeah. Colonel? I think he was a colonel. Yeah, it doesn't tell us until later in the movie, but I don't know much about military rankings. I think a colonel's pretty high up there, I guess. It's kind of jarring when you first see it. You're just suddenly in a different place, right? Yeah. And uh, with this rich old military guy. Now, there isn't too much to say yet about him. He comes back in later, except that I love how this guy, he's just so grumpy. You know, he's rich. He has this wife who's like making him nice food. And he's like, I had it for lunch. Poor Ethel. But his, yeah, yeah. This guy is just, he exists to be on call in case these barrels ever show up, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess 15 years of this has just driven him kind of crazy because he's a grumpy old guy. One day we'll find him. One day. Yeah, one day, one day. And then we can get all this crap out of my house. Um, which is funny now, he would just have, what, an iPhone? <laughs> but he has this whole like hidden computer area tucked away into his house. So Freddie's friends are waiting for Freddie to get off work. And they decide to go to an abandoned cemetery because that's what you do. You know, when you're a teenage punk, you go to a cemetery and walk around. Did either of you catch the name of the cemetery? We caught this too. Yeah, Yeah. actually. Not at first, but when it pops back up later. Uh, But yeah, Resurrection Cemetery. The Resurrection Cemetery. Yeah. (laughs) Little touch, little touch. Um, Frank and Freddy wake up after being knocked out by the gas. They just wake up on the floor. Uh, 
They both feel sick and they try to clean up the smell left behind by the gas. And there's a funny little touch here where, what do you do with a dangerous chemical that's sprayed everywhere? You spray Lysol. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and they're coughing. Uh, but we get our first real horror of the movie. Do either of you remember what's the first the first thing they see? They hear the dog, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the split. It's not just a dog. It's a split dog. Because we've already seen. I didn't have a lot of time to get into it too much in, in this, but there's a ton of foreshadowing in this movie that you won't catch until later. Like everything that happens is foreshadowed earlier. So, of course, we've already seen the split dogs. And, yes, they hear the dog barking. And this poor dog, which, again, is completely cut in half for medical, you know, for veterinary students, it's been brought back to life, and it's barking and whining. I wish this is something um, that is done more in zombie movies, animal zombies. There's – right now, did you guys see the trailer for um, – what is it, Army of, uh, Army of the Dead? Yes. I haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah, it's a. It's a Zack Snyder's. Uh, Zack right. Snyder's I think it may already be out, but anyways, it's a Zack Snyder movie, which means it'll either be really stupid or really cool, probably both. <laughs> um, but anyways, in that trailer, there's like a zombie tiger or something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So my point is, I wish zo- animal zombies can be cool, and it's not done well enough. But here, it's. It's just kind of sad. Do you remember what they do to um, what does Frank do? He beats it with a crutch. Yeah. yeah. Get it. He just grabs whatever he can find. It's a crutch. And he just starts beating this. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> yeah. So, but before you can really process what you're seeing here, um, they hear the cadaver in the freezer start screaming and trying to get out. So there's a lot of good stuff here. Again, these two. I just love, they completely panic throughout most of the movie. And it's great. What does it say? Uh, what are we going to do? Lock it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they lock the zombie in. And then they try to decide what are they going to do next? Call the police? No, don't call the police. Call the army? No, no. They say call the number on the tank. We don't want to call the number on the tank. Why, Justin? <laughs> I don't remember why. I don't remember why. They didn't want to call the army in particular. The number, uh, well, you just said it. You don't want to call the number on the tank because it's the army. You don't mm-hmm. want the army coming down here, right? So what do they do? What do they decide? Who do they call? <laughs> Bert. They call Bert. They yeah. call Bert. They call Bert. Bert is the boss. He's the owner of the warehouse. And yep, they call the boss. Don't call the police. Don't call the army. <laughs> do, you know, call call the boss. Let the boss deal with the problem. Which, you know, that's fair, right? So before we see what happens with them, we get to one of the things that makes this movie famous, and that's Linnea Quigley doing her thing. Mia, what does Linnea Quigley do? So they get to the, so they are in the cemetery and they're talking, well, they're all splitting off into like little groups and Linnea Quigley is having a conversation, I think with Spider, right? And talking about how um she her her about her fears or something like that and then she starts talking about it's really weird because she starts talking about how her fears to be eaten alive by old men (laughs) and but it seems to turn her on at the same time and suddenly she's undressing and dancing (laughs) 
Yeah. She's talking about them. Have you ever fantasized about being killed again? I knew her. She was one of my friends. Um, but uh, yeah, she's talking about the worst ways to die for no reason other than to be shocking. Hers is to be eaten alive by a bunch of old men, I guess. And as you said, she decides this is a good time to get naked. Mm-hmm. And she does get naked and she stays naked dan- for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, she starts dancing on a tombstone. And I hope you guys, I hope you don't have too much of a problem with seeing Linnea quickly naked because she is naked throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, all right. I've got to stop and tell a story about her being naked in this movie because it's funny when they when she showed up to film the scene she she was naked of course and there was a i think it was one of the producers said oh my god we can see her pubic hair we can't have pubic hair in this movie and so they sent her off to shave then when they came back to film the scene again they said oh my god now we can see her everything we can't we can't see (laughs) what do you expect she shaved now you can see everything right so what they finally did was even though she is again to clarify this is full frontal complete nudity throughout the whole movie she's wearing um they made a little mold kind of like a little skin colored thong basically that's put over her body so that's why you if you were to look very closely uh you wouldn't be able to see anything really so that's just kind of a funny story that she has a Barbie doll thing going on, but I thought that was a funny story. <laughs> that's great. Oh my God. They kept trying to film her and the producers kept saying like, no, we can't see that. We can't see that. So they finally just like, fine, we'll put a fake nothing on over her. Okay. Uh, and poor Linnea Quigley. It's just, anyways. I love Linnea quickly too, because she, like, even when I go to meet her, um, you know, she's still wearing like very little clothing and she has pictures of her naked for you to sign and stuff like that. Um, so she has, she just has a good sense of humor about everything, which is great. But anyways, um, so again, let me emphasize, seeing this as a 14 year old kid <laughs> had a big impact on me. Like what is yeah. going on? You know, I've never seen <laughs> Well, you know, I've never seen a woman get naked and dance around a cemetery before. You know, I know most people at that age, I guess, have. But um, (laughs) (laughs) so, all right. Tanae is naked. It's great. Moving on. Bert comes into the warehouse and he is chewing out Frank for the situation. You know, like I told you never to go near those things, not to touch them. But they ultimately decide you know, he's freaking out like, I'm going to get sued. I'm going to go to jail. Or we can just cover this whole thing up. So we've got to get rid of the evidence, right? Step number one, kill the zombie. Uh, which, by the way, we haven't actually seen the zombie yet. We just know there's one in there screaming and freaking out. Now, we all know from watching zombie movies that the way to stop a zombie is to destroy its brain. So their plan is let it out. And Bert's going to go after it with a pickaxe. What do they do next? The, so the pickaxe does not work. Do you guys remember what they do next to the zombie? Oh my God, they yeah. saw its head off. Yes. They pin it down and saw its head off. So that works, right? No. Also doesn't no. work. <laughs> no. So now you have... They have the head still pinned to the ground with a pickaxe. And the headless body of the zombie is just like running around thrashing mm-hmm. into things. Um, so first off, I have to say, 
you may notice that the effects here are not up to par with the rest of the movie. It's basically just kind of like a guy painted yellow. Mm-hmm. They had a special effects guy early on, and they end up firing him. He claims that uh, you know there was not enough money and too much time. Probably true. They said he wasn't very good. Maybe true. I don't know. But anyways, they fired him and brought in someone else to do the rest of the special effects. So that's why this scene kind of sticks out a little bit. It's not as good as the stuff we see later. But anyway, so we've got a headless zombie thrashing around everywhere until they tackle it and tie it up again. I'm assuming if you were listening to this, you've seen the movie. But just in case you haven't, keep in mind, everyone is completely freaking out during this scene. It's one thing that's great about this movie is people do not keep their cool. Um, This is probably how people would really act if this stuff happened. So they are just screaming and panicking and trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do. All right. Do you guys remember what they decide to do next? When cutting off the zombie's head does not work. Cut it up in small pieces. Yes. Um, Take it to cut up the small pieces and burn them. And take it to Ernie, who lives next, well, doesn't live next door, but owns a crematorium next door. So first off, Haha, ha, Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Apparently, I think that was not intentional. I can't remember, but yeah, Bert and Ernie. It's kind of funny. Uh, they're trying to get rid of bodies together. <laughs> second, so that's funny. But secondly, this is a weird town to live in. I just realized you've got a medical supply warehouse right next to an abandoned cemetery and a crematorium. I don't know. I guess... Uh, Justin, you know a little bit about urban planning. I guess they just decided this will be the creepy part of town. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Louisville, as we learn. I mean, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I don't think Kentucky is noted for its towns. No offense, Kentuckians. Um, now we just lost 10% of our audience. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All five of them gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you you know, you've got your residential area, you've got your industrial area, you've got your creepy dead people area, right? All right, this joke's played out. So, (laughs) they go to Ernie. They go to Ernie and ask to use this crematorium. Now, did you guys notice anything weird about Ernie? I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He doesn't remove his gloves for a starting point. He drinks Uh, his coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And he seems yeah. to really, well, they, really like his job. Uh, he also uh, pulls out a gun on you yeah, when, when you walk in. <laughs> There's a lot about Ernie. So I can't remember. I should have looked this up. Um, but I think there was a backstory about him that got dropped that he was a uh, former Nazi. Oh. And with that in mind, if you rewatch the movie, it makes sense. He's a blonde-haired guys listening to like uh german classical music he's a little bit too tough sometimes in german at some point too yeah um, yeah yeah like he does speak german yeah he says it's coming down like some battle during world war ii yeah so yeah keeping that in mind also there's when they first ask um you know let's go talk to ernie frank says can you trust the bastard you know, so with that position in mind, things kind of start to make a lot of sense. And also, he's weirdly calm compared to everyone else throughout this movie. Like, he's seen some stuff. That's Ernie. The Louisville Nazi. Freaking love it. That's great. 
<laughs> I didn't see Nazi coming as part of this. Yeah. And I think I couldn't really make it out, but if you look in the background, there is like a little um, uh, like political cartoon. And I think there's Hitler on there. You watch that scene again. But anyways, um, so they show up with a lot of black trash bags that we know are filled with moving body parts. Justin, you will be Ernie. I will be Bert. Okay, so Justin, you say, what the hell is in those bags? All right, you ready? Yep, yep. What the hell is in those bags? Rabid weasels. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Okay. There you go, everybody. This is where we get the name from. <laughs> it took 22 episodes to get there. You all know. You can stop asking me. <laughs> Yay! So, yeah, I've always just thought that was, like, perfect humor, you know, that uh, he shows up with a bunch of bags filled with moving body parts, and the first thing you can think of is, uh, rabid weasels are in the bags. Um, <laughs> and even this, says, uh, this podcast so well in a name uh very yeah. well done <laughs> <laughs> i like how he says it like even he can't believe he's actually going to try and say it like rabid weasels <laughs> yeah so there we go finally <laughs> so he has this whole stupid story like i want to burn them i received them in a uh a shipping accident they weren't supposed to have rabies and i can't take them to i don't want anybody to know because it's bad publicity blah 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 and then Ernie says, well, you can't just burn them alive. That's cruel. Take them outside and let me shoot them first. <laughs> so at that point, he's all out of ideas and has to tell him <clears throat> the truth of what's really going on. So finally, they do cremate the zombie uh, or the zombie's remains. But there's one problem. What goes wrong, guys? All the what like ashes come up from the chimney out in the air. And then yep. create like rain clouds and yep. they all, and it starts to rain. So it's like acidic rain or I guess zombie it's, remains rain. It's burning poor Linnea Quigley's body. <laughs> yeah. Two, four, five trioxin is the chemical. Um, and yes, when they burn the body, unfortunately, I guess this chemical is indestructible. So it goes through the chimney as smoke, goes into the sky, causes rain, I guess. Uh, and the chemical comes down as rain that burns the skin. First off, Bird is really happy, thinking his problems are over. But first it becomes obvious that Frank and Freddy are really sick. They admit to being exposed to the gas from the canister, and Ernie calls an ambulance. As we're waiting on the ambulance, the punks, they get drenched in, yes, like what Linnea quickly calls acid rain. Um, so it burns, it hurts, they go to the car, their car is like a crappy, one of those roofs, uh, so it's leaking. So they're all hiding in the, the car, still getting, getting kind of wet, except for Freddie's girlfriend, Tina, who has gone to the warehouse to find him. Now, while she's searching, uh, she make. let me back up a little bit. Yes, Linnea Quigley is getting soaking wet and the rain is burning her skin. And I've always liked that they have this with her character because she starts off acting like she's the most tough and she's really the first one to break down, you know, when things get unpleasant. But so Tina goes down into the basements where the canister is. And we learn that what, hap what happened to the corpse that was stored into it. It's Tarman. <laughs> Yay. All right. 
Mia, how would you describe <clears throat> Tar Man? I think he's not really, I think he's called, he's only really called, that's more of a fan name. He's briefly called Tar Man at one point, but his name is Tar Man. So Mia, how would you describe Tar Man? So we got like a skeleton with perfect teeth, big old eyeballs, and his <laughs> and his skin is like melting or like I guess like tar or what or I don't know. It's just like melting off his face, and he wants brains. Brains. So this this is one of the greatest zombies ever. Um, he was played by a oh I'm forgetting what was that? The guy was like a uh, I know it was a special effects guy excuse me, a stunt work. It's like a ballet a dancer or something. Anyways, a really tall, thin guy that had to put this costume on because they wanted the zombie to look like it was barely holding together. So he's, he looks like a sludge, you know, connected over some bones. And the way he moves is great. He looks uh, like his joints are about to fall off. Yeah. And as Mia said, this is, he wants brains, and this is it, folks. This is the first time a zombie ever says brains. Return of the Living Dead. Show some respect. So as Tina struggles with him, he, he's great, by the way. We also see that he is – we see how these are intelligent zombies, right? Because while she's hiding, he's, like, coming up with ways to yeah. pull open the door. He hooks up, like, a harness or something. And But, but while she's hiding, the other punks come in out from the rain just in time for Suicide, who is like the most intimidating guy of the group. Uh, he's got like a, a piercing in his lip and ear with a chain that connects them. Mm -hmm. Anyways, but they all run in just in time for Suicide to have his skull bitten into by Tar Man. Uh, it's pretty graphic too. You get like a good close up. Everyone else runs off and spider that's what's miguel nunez i think who was also mm -hmm. in friday 13th part seven part five part five i think sorry everybody uh but he was another friday 13th movie and he's smart enough to lock the door right help me you stupid fuckers <laughs> he's great the paramedics arrive and what do they find after examining frank and freddie that they're dead <laughs> basically that they don't have a pulse they can't find a pulse and they can't find a a blood pressure and uh their temperature is room, room temperature, temperature. <laughs> yeah. yeah again this is all done in a way that's like freaky but also funny uh because they're like you have no blood pressure no pulse and Freddie has a thermometer's mouth. He goes, no blood pressure, no pulse. <laughs> uh -huh. Yes. And they are room temperature. So they are technically dead. But of course, they're talking and they're moving. So they're not really dead. Back to the punks running away from the warehouse, away from Tarman. They briefly stop in the graveyard to try and get out of the rain. When party time by 45 Grave starts playing and the dead begin to rise from their graves sending the punks running off again. The music in this is, I wish we had more time to talk about it, but the music is just great. It fits perfectly. Uh, it's one of the few movies where I own the soundtrack and actually listen to it a lot. Can I say something real quick? So that of course. reminded me of like old school, like Scooby-Doo when the gang is like trying to <laughs> like. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And the music is playing, yeah. right? And they're trying to find the villain and they're like. 
That's what that reminded me of. That's great. That is perfect. Yeah, the music's like upbeat and energetic, and everyone's running and being chased by monsters. And yeah, that's great. That's great. I wonder if that was intentional. Okay, so we're finally just past the halfway point now. And once this movie really starts up, it does not slow down much from here on out. So we'll try and hit the main beats. Linnea Quigley, like I said, she was the one who acted. So her name is Trash, by the way. Um, but she's Linnea Quigley. So uh, not, not her name is Trash. Her name is Trash. Yeah. Yes, she's called Trash. Her yes. character's name is Trash. Yeah. Yeah. Her character. Not an insult on her name, Linnea Quigley. It's not I... <laughs> so, anyways, as I said, she's the one who acted tough, but she's the first one to break down. So she just like falls into the the water, crying, and she gets her her little fantasy comes true because a bunch of old dead men come and eat her alive. Uh, so she's the what second of the punks to go mm -hmm. now finally uh our two groups meet up because the remaining punks go into the mortuary uh, minus chuck and casey who kind of go off into the warehouse they they split up gang <laughs> scooby-doo yeah but anyways they tell bert and ernie <laughs> they tell bert and ernie what is happening and bert's uh they're like oh shit <laughs> you know there's a great oh one of the most famous moments of the movie here where the paramedics try to call for backup, uh, but they're just mobbed by mud-soaked zombies. It's pretty creepy because you can't see anything. It's dark until he turns on his headlights, and then there's like a hundred zombies, you know, yeah. completely surrounding him. He used that scene and in the preview, attacked. in the uh, not the preview, but the trailer as well. It's really yeah. a really effective scene where there's like no lights, and then it turns it on. And they're just there, standing, waiting. It's yeah, yeah. It's really effective. Yeah, it's done well. And then, of course, he's completely attacked by the zombies. When Ernie goes out later, he's attacked by a zombie who has no arms and legs. Mm -hmm. Kind of a, another... Mm. This movie, every time you start to get comfortable in this movie, they throw something crazy at you, and it just throws you off. Uh, but remember, everybody, this is pre-CGI. So they had to find a guy with no arms and lacking legs to play this zombie who is supposed to have lost his arms and legs. And then he chases after them. Yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. But um, Ernie comes back in, and all right, now Ernie's a little bit shaken up too. <laughs> and we're at that point in all zombie movies where it's time for a montage. Let's board up the windows and the doors, <laughs> board ourselves in. Every pretty much every zombie movie, every show you've ever seen, you got to board up the windows. Somehow everybody just has planks of wood well, laying around their house you know with hammers and nails i need to get some hammers and nails and a pile <laughs> of wood just in case uh <laughs> except this time it's pretty cool because it's all to the surfing dead by the cramps as they're boarding up the windows and fighting off the zombies good stuff and in the middle of all this chaos we have one of the most famous i keep saying that but one of the more famous parts of this movie a zombie is eating the paramedics one of the paramedics, when he hears dispatch trying to get in contact with them, he picks up the radio and who gets to say the line? What does he say? Send more medics. <laughs> Send more paramedics. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is just brilliant. That a zombie's like, I hear someone talking. I can order takeout, basically. <laughs> uh, just a, a great touch. Send more paramedics. Uh, and they do more. They yeah, do. yeah. 
we also get the scene where Freddy uh, explains what he's feeling and Ernie realizes that he is going through rigor mortis. Again, we kind of skipped over it, but when they first meet Ernie, he's working with a corpse and he tells them all about rigor mortis and he goes, oh, you're experiencing rigor mortis. He pulls up his shirt and his back's all bruised. So yeah, that's horrible. Now, Ernie throughout this movie, as I kind of said earlier, he is the person who kind of keeps his head the best under chaos. And we see when the um, uh, zombies attack again, Scuzz is is the name of this punk, gets bitten in the head by this particularly gruesome, decayed zombie lady. And when he pulls back, he brings the top half of the zombie in with him. (laughs) First off, he's spraying blood everywhere, which is a cool effect. He dies, of course, because he's just has skull bent into. But Ernie is smart. Uh, Mia, do you remember what he does with the zombie? Uh, yeah, he picks picks it up and puts it on the table and starts interrogating the zombie lady. Yeah. So first off, he, he doesn't just pick it up. He impels it oh, with like a long pole, a pole to keep it safe, yeah. safe distance. But yeah, they tie it up. And Ernie, Ernie's like, let's interview the zombie. Okay, first off, Justin, how would you describe this zombie? Because I think it's one of the more distinctive ones in the movie. Yeah, so um, it is kind of from the head (laughs) through the spine, kind of halfway down, and it's kind of leathery and decaying and the hair is long and purple and so it's kind of got like a greenish tint to it um and then it moves um in really like kind of natural but horrific kind of ways um it's like jerking around and the the spine part kind of moves and kind of functions a little bit like a tail. Um, yes. Yeah. That's how I describe it. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty weird. Um, and then the actual conversation of course is, uh, is both creepy and utterly ridiculous and hilarious. Um, so, but it's, it's a really creepy effect. It reminds yeah. me of um, as like uh, it's as memorable as uh, kind of the reanimator scene. Um where the zombies coming back to in the just the head that time oh yeah 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 that scene um yeah so you just have this the top half the torso head and arms of this old severely decayed zombie lady they have her tied down to like a, a metal medical table and she's like her upper body is trying to thrash around her spine is twitching like a cat's tail and a nice little touch. It's leaking spinal fluid. So they decide to ask it questions. Basically it explains to them that they crave brains because it hurts to be dead (laughs) and eating brains temporarily makes the pain go away. And she has the great line of, I can feel myself rotting. Yeah, it's creepy stuff, creepy stuff. It hurts to be dead. That's why they eat brains. It makes them feel better. Makes sense. You know, I like that they actually take the time to explain it. Most movies don't really bother. It's just like, hey, monsters. Nope. They have a reason for what they're doing here. 
All right, we get trash, Nea Quigley, coming back to life as a still naked, (laughs) but even paler zombie. Okay, this is cool and all. It doesn't really make much sense in the context of the movie because, first off, she was eaten alive, right? So, But she has no scars on her, no wounds or anything. Second, everyone else who gets eaten by the zombies doesn't come back. Uh, but hey, naked zombie Linnea Quigley, it's worth it. So <laughs> it's like we, we need to have her come back again. Sure. She used to be like a sex zombie too. Like the way in which she kind of behaves is still yeah. sexual. Yeah, as, she, as she walks, she like swings her hips back and forth yeah. in an exaggerated way. <laughs> Great. And uh, yeah, it's good trashy fun. Good trashy fun. Trash um, is being trashy fun. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wasn't going to go for the obvious joke, but thank you, Justin. Um, <laughs> you went with trashy. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. What's that, Mia? That was a team effort. Yeah, good job, everybody. Anyway, so Lene Quigley's back again because she hasn't been naked enough in this movie. Uh, police come to investigate the missing paramedics and, of course, are instantly mobbed and killed. And... In case you didn't properly appreciate the send more paramedics joke, they just repeat it again with send more cops. Um, yeah. It's like a Civil War zombie there. I don't more know. Cops. Send more cops. Um, but the decision is made to lock up Freddie and Frank in a separate room in case they become violent. Because everyone's like, you know, these guys are turning into those things. At some point, they're going to turn on us probably, so we should lock them up. And Tina, being a good girlfriend or possibly stupid, uh, decides to stay with Freddie. Let's talk about them a little bit because the makeup on these two has just been great the whole movie. First off, this whole movie, everybody looks like they're going through hell. They're all like sweaty and oily and, you know, they look exhausted. Freddie and Frank in particular, um, they're really pale and blue. And every time you see them, it just gets worse and worse. Uh, and there's some really good acting with them, you know, going from being sick to being in like just terrible agonizing pain to losing touch with reality and finally turning into one of the zombies. So there's a great scene here where um, Tom Matthews, that's the guy who plays Freddie, watch his eyes in that scene because he's actually doing some really good acting in my mind. He, you see the moment turns his eyes roll back into his head and then they roll back and suddenly he's a zombie yeah uh and then he attacks tina he's like i i realize now that brains are awesome uh and i would like to eat your brains so. oh, oh, give me your brains oh. yes yeah that's what it's like um <laughs> the others come in and rescue her but the zombies start breaking through the barriers so um they have to go fight them off again and ernie's foot is broken in the struggle now if you don't watch the scene carefully you'll miss it several times i've watched this movie and gone wait what happened to his foot because it's kind of in the background very quickly but anyways he gets his foot broken realizing they won't last much longer spider and bert decide to see if they can go get the police cars now watching this scene always makes me a little nervous because old school filmmaking was kind of dangerous (laughs) They're just driving a car around in a huge group of people everywhere. And there are people like jumping on the car, people getting thrown off the car. And I, don't know, I keep thinking someone's actually going to really die. 
uh, I guess, I guess they're professionals. Actually, they probably weren't professionals. They were probably just giving a little money. Old school stunt work. It's cool stuff. Anyways, overwhelmed by the number of zombies, Bert and Z a Spider have to drive off. They say they'll try and get, try and go find help. But unfortunately, even the streets are filled with zombies by this point. So they turn around and they end up crashing the car into the warehouse. Good job, guys. <laughs> they haven't, uh, they run in to meet Chuck and Casey, who. Chuck and Casey didn't really even need to be in this movie, I guess. They don't have much to do. They just kind of go off somewhere at the beginning of the movie, and they're reunited at the end. There's some good stuff with them where Chuck has the hots for Casey, and Casey just can't stand him. But So Ernie and Tina have to go up into the attic to get away from Zombie Frank. Um, but we have a little – I'm sorry, Zombie Freddy. But we have a little touching moment here. We kind of lost track of Frank for a minute. Mia – What's Frank do in this scene? Do you remember? No. Yeah, he put some uh, he put some self into the uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. into the uh, fire into the crematorium, as it were, and burns himself. Yeah, he burns himself. Well, I guess you can't say he burns himself alive, but uh, um, he decides rather than become a zombie like Freddy, he's going to completely kill himself. He take it's actually kind of touching. He takes off his ring and kisses it goodbye uh, and then jumps into the crematorium, turns it on, and kills himself. Now, this scene was actually improvised. Well, it wasn't improvised, but it was the actor's idea. Uh, I think he wanted to have more – I can't remember. I think he wanted to have something better for his character at the end. So he's like, hey, how about I, I kill myself? I set myself on fire. We've already got the crematorium. And – it's foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie where he says some big favor. I could operate that thing. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, he does. So Freddie, he's trying to guilt Tina into coming down. This is a zombie who's like uh, gaslighting its victim. I guess. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you made me hurt myself, but I still love you. It's okay. Come down here so I can eat your brains. <laughs> um, and as it seems like he might actually break through, it's Ernie picks up his gun and it's implied that he's considering shooting her instead of letting her turn into a zombie. Remembering that there's a phone in the basement, uh, Bert decides to go down there. But they're like, no, the tar man's down there. And he's, he's had enough. So he's like, I'm going to knock that thing's head off. He gets a baseball bat. They open the door and he just knocks the tar man's head off like a baseball. <laughs> now, apparently the actor here got so tired of Dan O'Bannon that he actually went after Dan O'Bannon with a baseball with that baseball bat at one point. Like that's how much Dan O'Bannon drove him crazy. Uh, they talk about that in the, the documentary that he just snapped and turned on Dan O'Bannon. They call the police outside only to hear that the zombies have broken through the barricade. Now, Bert finally decides to call the number on the crate. He gets in touch with the colonel from earlier in the movie. He asks him a bunch of questions. And Justin, you should take this one being a government policy expert. <laughs> what is the government's plan for dealing with this situation? They found the, the crates, but um, they've leaked and they're zombies. So what's the government's plan? Yeah, well, you know, it kind of, uh, we were picking up the characters a little bit earlier about not, you know, dialing the number and calling the army. Um, but it turns out that uh, maybe that was in their own best interest because the army's plan is just to nuke Louisville, <laughs> <laughs> which is 
what they do. Um, he calls it in. They have the whole scene of uh, kind of lining up the firing shot, and they get the call, and it's like, yeah, we uh, we uh, hit it within our range, and which I'll turn it back to you to describe the final scene because I'm sure uh, that you would love to, but the way they do the freeze frames for uh, the bomb kind of landing uh, as part of it, you know, with like Freddie breaking through um, right as it's happening, the, the ending is fantastic, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the government's plan. Like you said, they just nuke the whole site. Um, and you see them making phone calls and stuff, and he's like, yes, sir, optimal placement, uh, minimal casualties, well done. The president will go visit Louisville tomorrow. There are no complaints except for some acid rain. Hold on, though. Um, so as they're sending the nuke, you hear it, and so Bert's like, what, wait, what's that sound? And then right as Freddy is bursting into the attic to get a hold of Tina. Down comes the nuke. We, we zoom away from the city and we see the mushroom cloud explosion in the background. And that's it, everyone's dead. And they talk about how, you know, that took care of the problem. There's some acid rain, there's some fire, <laughs> but everything will be okay because the rain will take care of it. And the movie ends with more zombies coming out of the graves, implying that the problem is just getting worse and worse. Wow, what an ending. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of, um, which one is it uh, where it ends and they're on the boat and they're escaping? Zombie with Lucio Fulci. Yeah, oh. zombie. Yeah, that's what it was. That reminds, it reminds me of that with the ending of like, yeah, and then the world ended. <laughs> right. Yeah, basically. It's a pretty dark ending for uh, a movie that's kind of, in a lot of ways, like hearted and fun. Yeah. That was probably the ending from the original script and they just kept it. Uh, I don't know, Mia, what did you think about the the ending? It, it really surprised me the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's a good ending. I mean, there's nothing scarier than thinking that the problem has been solved, but it's just been cr created in just bigger scale, right? You're not going to be good. I think it's uh, the one of the George A. Romero remakes or uh, that was recently where they are, they're escaping the insane fast zombies and they finally get on a boat and they're going to an island and they think they're going to be safe, but then there's zombies on the island too. It's like, the, you know, you're thinking you're going to get help. Well, in this movie, you're thinking you're going to get help finally by the military. Military nukes you <laughs> and your city and then spreads it more around. So, yeah. but, you know, it was, it was pretty pretty good ending. Yeah, the, the other thing that Mia's saying that made me think of is uh, in the way that Frankenstein and Reanimator really are these cautionary tales of uh, the harms that like science or research or the science dedicated towards the military industrial complex as like cautionary tales of what happens if we uh, develop these things um the the ending there it's not really drawn out throughout the whole movie but the ending really um brings brings home uh like all of this could play out all over the world if the wrong kind of chemical or the wrong kind of biotechnology stuff was uh unleashed upon humanity yeah i wonder if this movie influenced the resident evil series at all but uh that's just a side thought 
but yeah, so that's part of my little paper that I wrote 10 years ago. This movie is very much uh, kind of a satire on government, specifically military, you know, because the government loses the crates of the chemicals that they created, that they spilled, when that inevitably causes problems. Their decision is just to nuke everything, and then that just causes more problems. So yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of satire going on here, and also the chemical itself. Um, Frank tells us in the beginning was supposed to be a marijuana spray or something. Yeah, yeah, commentary. Yeah. Um, all right, that's Return of the Living Dead. Woo-hoo, we made okay. it. Yeah, um, one of my favorite movies of all time. A lot more I could say, but. That's enough. Any you guys have anything else to say before we get into the uh, the epilogue here? Any last thoughts on Return of the Living Dead, or did we cover it all? That's all. It's great. Watch oh. it if you haven't, and you've listened to us and still haven't watched it at this point. Go watch it. It's great. Yeah, definitely, because it's hard to capture. This movie just perfectly gets the blend of horror and comedy. I can't really think of many movies that do it this well where it's both horrific and hilarious and it's worth watching several times as I have. And I always find more little fun things about it. It's just a great movie. It's a great movie, but um, moving on, let's see here. After this, there have been four sequels. Part two came out in 1988. Have either of you seen any of the sequels? I don't think so. Okay. I'd like to get to two and three at some point. Um, Part two came out in 1988, and at first it was the most hated sequel, my most hated sequel, um, until I saw Blair Witch 2, which that was worse. But um, Return of Living Dead 2, I've actually kind of come to appreciate it for what it is. It's nowhere near this movie, of course, but it's just kind of silly, weird 80s fun. And then the third one is actually pretty good. It's by Brian Usna, who did Reanimator. So it makes sense that he would take on that one. It's pretty good. That was the answer. 1988, 1993, and then nothing until 2005. We got two garbage cash-ins, sci-fi movie, sci-fi channel movies. I don't know that I've ever actually sat through all those, the entirety of those two movies, but uh, they're pretty universally hated. On IMDb, they've got like a 3.3, which is really bad. Um I don't know if we'll ever get more Return of the Living Dead. Maybe it's just a thing of the of a, its time period. I don't know. But that's Return of the Living Dead. And coming up next, we have Justin's pick. Justin, do you remember what you picked next? Yes, I do. Cabin in the Woods, um, which was my first um, meta horror film where I knew enough about <laughs> horror going on to get at least a couple of the references and uh that i think has uh it's just a really well done storytelling um and i'm really excited to to rewatch it and to talk about it so yeah cabin in the woods cabin in the woods 2011 we saw it in theaters um it's great if you somehow have not seen this movie and don't know the spoilers watch the movie without knowing anything about it because it has one of the greatest twists ever. You know, it just goes in a completely different direction and it's, it's great stuff. Has Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth, yes. It has 
Thor, who had he been Thor at that point? I can't uh, remember I when Thor came out. Yet. Around that same time. But anyways, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Go watch Cabin in the Woods and come and join us next time. And with that, I'm tired. So thank you guys for coming along again. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for Cabin in the Woods. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. See you next time. Thanks for listening.